Uh, he claims to be the property of an Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. You know him? Well, of course I know him. He's me. I haven't gone by the name of Obi-Wan since all before you were born. I can tell when somebody has reached that, that I call it the Obi-Wan Kenobi moment. You know, when they walk in and they've got that, you're my only hope, Obi-Wan Kenobi, please help me. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. The car doctor. He said, how did you know that? Unplug the sensor and it would go into default. I said, that's the first thing I learned at ABS class 22 years ago. And it was. The instructor told it to us in the first 10 minutes. He said, you got to make it safe. He goes, unplug one of the sensors. It puts the system into default and the guy will have regular breaks. The force will be with you. Always. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now... If you help you, I will. <laughs> Here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the car doctor here at the helm, ready to go under the hood. And let's get going. Let's start fixing some cars this week. We're going to kick the garage doors wide open. More information about this radio show, cardoctorshow.com. Find us on Facebook and all the normal places. Let's uh, let's get going this hour because we've got a lot to do. We're giving away, what are we giving away this week? We're giving away a Diablo Sport um, uh, Predator, Predator 2, I'm sorry. Uh, from the folks over at Diablo Sport, able to tune your 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 truck, your um, SUV, your uh, you know your vehicle there, so you can do it right from behind the driver's seat. Yes, Mister Ray. No, I have it inside here, so you yeah, guys we, don't we, have. We it. noticed that, and we yeah. haven't had a chance to test it by plugging it into right. your OBD. That's two port. because the last thing we gave away, the guy called up and said, "How come there's all these little fingerprints and peanut butter and jelly sandwich marks all over the car?" Because I think Tony was being a little kid, going vroom vroom vroom. No, no more of that. The, the guy was just jealous. He didn't get a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with it. You know, that's probably what he was looking for. So, you know, Tony tells me nobody made a P- PB and PB and J like his mom back when he was a kid. So um, big thumbs up there for uh, Mrs. Atwood. So let's get on over and talk to Chris in Salina, Kansas. Let's get the garage doors going early this week and uh, see what's going on here. 87 Ford Econoline. Chris, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hey, how's it going? Good. Yeah. So we did uh, plugs and wires and uh, valve cover gaskets on my van. And when we pulled the valve covers off, there was a ton of sludge underneath there. And I cleaned up the valve covers, but uh, we didn't really want to mess with it. Um, the, we tried to clean off some of the sludge on the whatever's, um, and but we didn't do too much just because we didn't want to go back down in the engine because I'm right. moving to Arizona. Right. And uh, but what like when I get down there, what's like the best? Because I've seen like sea foam and all the different types of sludge removers. What's like the best way to remove sludge out of the engine? Which which engine is this, Chris? V8 six-cylinder? Uh, it's the, uh, it's the, yeah, it's the V8 351 Windsor. Okay. So my concern whenever I field this call and whenever I see it in the shop is, you're exactly right. Where's the sludge going to go and, and what's it going to do? My concern is breaking sludge loose in an engine can create issues, particularly clogging the oil pump screen and creating oil starvation problems. But driving it, depending upon how sludgy it is, may become a problem, too. So, you know, you're, you're sort of between the rock and the hard place. I tell everybody, start start mildly, all right? You know, you want to do a mild cleaner, and you want to do it over time. Doing it gently over time is better than doing the, the, the hard, caustic, you know, trying to do it the quick approach. 
if we were going to have a conversation about the quick approach and the one that some guys actually hate me for, because every time I mention it, they think I'm just flat out nuts, but I'll tell you it works, is drain down some of the engine oil, put a quart of brake fluid in the engine. A quart of brake fluid in oh. the engine. You heard me right. Brake fluid. You know why they say don't let brake fluid hit the paint on the car because it, it'll take the paint off? Trust me, it will. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's the most caustic thing on the planet. All right? Uh, you know, hmm. it's it's... I always explain it like this. Brake fluid in an engine is, is that's DEFCON 1, baby. That's where, you know, or is it DEFCON 5? I'm not sure which end of the scale is bad. But <laughs> it's, it's, it's like we really think we've got no other way to solve this, and we're going to just roll the dice. The danger is, all right, obviously brake fluid is not rated for an engine. It can affect gaskets and seals. I've never actually had it affect anything I've done. I've never had a report from anyone that it affected anything they did, but I know how caustic brake fluid is. And the other concern I've got is putting all that sludge into the pan, all right, it's got to go somewhere, and can it clog the oil pump screen? I've never had that happen, but... You know, it's just, listen, we all got to put on our big boy pants and we got to talk for real. Yep. All right. Now, I'm not saying drive it with brake fluid in it. It's, oh, you yeah, know, no. It, no, it's, it's, it's drain out some of the engine oil, put a quart of brake fluid in it, you know, bring it up to level and let it sit there and run. And when I say run, oh, you know, half a day. All right. I'm talking about letting it idle four, five, six hours, shutting it off. And as fast as you can get under there, you know, drop the oil and let the oil just sit there and okay. drain fill it up again with fresh oil, and maybe do it one more time. See what comes out. All right? Okay. The, yeah, because what I was... Go ahead. Oh, I'm go ahead. sorry. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, I was yeah. going to say, because my, my mechanic friend, what I want to do is, is when I get down to Arizona, is um, I'd actually like to remove the oil pan, do the seals on that, and, you know, I was thinking on when I do that, then, you know, like, do the, you know, like you were saying, brake fluid, and then, you know, let it run for like, you know, an hour or two like that, just idling. And then, you know, drop the oil pan, clean out everything. Right. Do that like, you know, maybe two or three times. Got to do it. Got to do it longer than an hour. You want to do it at least three, four hours. You know, you want to. Okay. It's, it's caustic stuff. Now, now, and that's fine. Now, in the interim, any one of the commercially acceptable cleaners on the market, that, you know, claiming they're going to help remove sludge and varnish. That's not the worst idea either to try that. Now, this okay. this 351, I'm trying to remember, 351 in 87, the distributor's in the front, correct? Yeah. All right. So to do this, that means the oil pump is in the front. To do this, you know, just be aware, you, you know, the, back when we used to do more of these, you need a t- couple of two-by-fours. You're going to take the bolts out, the cross bolts out for the motor mounts, lift the motor up, mm-hmm. put the two-by-fours between the motor mounts and the frame pads. That'll give you the okay. clearance to get the pan down usually, all right? Take the, okay. take the starter out. You may have to take off the fan shroud, and sometimes it's easier to take the fan off, you know, just to get the lift to get the height. Yep. The ugly part of this job is dealing with the oil pump, all right? So your elbow has to bend in four directions at once, all right, because (laughs) you're kind of working, you know, it's it's ugly, dude. You're not going to clear the oil pan out of the truck with the oil pump in the vehicle, all right? Or okay. attached to the engine, so you've got to you've got to go after the oil pump screws that hold it to the block. If memory serves me right, and it's been a while, baby, five eighths or eleven sixteenths. It should be a standard head bolt. All right, you're okay. gonna you're gonna undo the oil pump, let it fall into the pan. All right, now there's a connecting rod there 
that, you know, there, there's a, you ever, you ever go to a Chinese restaurant, you know, Chinese handcuffs, you know, you put your finger, you know, in the tool, uh-huh. and you put, right. There's like a Chinese handcuff there that connects the oil pump drive shaft to the oil pump. All right. Okay. You want to make sure you pull that down. So the oil pump is a stub coming out of the oil pump is a stub shaft, maybe, oh, maybe an inch long, if that. All right, but there's a four and a half, almost five inch shaft going up to the bottom of the distributor because the distributor drives the oil pump. If when you pull the okay. oil pump down, you've still got the long four inch shaft attached to the pump, you're mm-hmm. you're, you're never going to get the pump out. You're going to go, what's going on here? And you're going to get frustrated because you're up in the air. There's oil in your eyes. All right, you're you're getting splashed, and you know it's a mess. So yeah. the pump has to drop into the pan, and the the drive tang has to stay. In attached to the distributor. Sometimes, okay. all right, sometimes, if memory serves me right, we will pull the distributor. It's been a while since I did one of these. I used to do this quite often. I'm pretty sure you pull the distributor if you want to go that route. You can pull that shaft out that way and then drop the pan, drop the pump down into the pan so you don't have the confusion. And then when you go to put it in, you're going to have to load the oil pan with the pump, put it in, and before you bolt the pan up, get the pump into place, bolt it up, and then bolt up the pan. All right? Okay. So this is a job where if you're going to use cork gaskets, cork and rubber in the front, it's a great idea to glue the cork gasket to the bottom of the block. All right? Okay. And when we glue this uh, job, uh, headliner spray. All right, 3M makes it. You'll find it at a local auto parts store. Uh, O'Reilly Auto Parts will have it, I'm sure. But they'll make a a headliner or a super glue for interior work, but it's an aerosol spray. Mm -hmm. We actually clean the block real good, spray the gasket, spray the block. It's a contact cement. Give it a couple of minutes to to set up and then just right in place. It'll stay right there. You can RTV the seal right to the cover and right to the back of the oil pan hump. And this way, when you're putting the pan up, there's no gasket that's going to fall in, and you just up and then you go. All right? Nice. So, yeah, that's the deal. All right, sir? All right. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. You're very welcome, Chris. If you've got any other questions, you know where to find me. And uh, good luck. Be careful using the brake fluid. It's caustic. Try that as a last result and uh, have a nice trip to Arizona. 855-560-9900. Ron and the car doctor. Coming back to answer your question right after this. From his Area 51 East Coast lair, fixing all your car problems, here's Ron. Give him a call. 855-560-9900. Driving down to the chiropractor this morning, and I I noticed that you know some of you are distracted in the way that you're driving. Well, more a lot of you are distracted in the way that you're driving, and I'm wondering if it's the devices that are doing it. Anthony Emilio, our one of our listeners from Chicago, wrote, wrote a letter to me. Hey, Ron, uh, in 2015, I purchased a Toyota Highlander because it sits higher and it's easier to see and has cross-traffic alert, great when backing out of a parking space, blind spot mirror, dynamic cruise control, and lane control alert. As I get older, my sensors are not what they used to be, and these safety alerts help a lot. Granted, these devices are not as good as the computer God gave us, but they do help, and the insurance company gave me a discount because my car has these devices. Anthony Emilio, my best to the boys, Park Ridge, Illinois. You know, I thought of Anthony. I've been looking at this email for a couple of days now and thinking about his comments, and in my mind I'm going, look at how he his generation is reacting to the current crop of cars and the car companies have to be doing this as well they've got to be saying to themselves 
you know, we've got this much of the population between the ages of 30 and 40 and 40 and 50 and so on. Here's someone driving at 73. You know, what? how hard is it for them to get in and out of this vehicle? As Anthony says, I've got arthritis in my joints and it takes me a while. My knees hurt, my back hurts, you know, so on and so forth. So I'm thinking about all these safety devices that we've got, dynamic cruise control and lane control alert and all the other things, self-driving cars that, you know, we've got and and the way they're going to take over and take over the wheel for us or semi-autonomous cars and do what they've got to do. And I'm driving to the chiropractor this morning and I pull up at the traffic light and there's a, a gentleman in front of me, his early 30s it looked like, in a Honda CRV. And he's got that iPhone right there, just below the rearview mirror. And I'm thinking about the safety implications of this. Okay, he's got, they've got some kind of an attachment now where you can put the phone right there. So it's about, you know, it's it's a definite blind spot. I've been pulled over enough that I know, you know, when, when, as a kid, you know, you had cars with hood scoops and blowers sticking out and all different things. And the cop always said, son, it's got to have a clear view of the fender from the, the right fender. you got to be able to see it from the headlight to the base of the windshield. You couldn't see this Honda CRV's fender from the base of the windshield, you know, out to the edge of the uh, fender. And I'm thinking, so we've got cars with safety devices and we're creating devices that impede our ability to see and then they become a distraction and then to top it all off not only is he talking on the phone he's using the phone he's talking on the phone he's got a cup of coffee in one hand and he's got one hand on the wheel now i know when he gets pulled over and i'm curious if anybody knows the answer to this if any if any of the folks in blue out there that do the do you know, law enforcement for a living, if they've got the answer, I'd love to get an answer, email or Facebook me, and we'll read it up on air whenever it shows up. But I wonder, is that considered distracted driving? It's distracted driving to me. You know, I was always taught, you know, two hands on the wheel. Uh, what is it, 10 and 2 o'clock and, you know, straight down the road. And I'm wondering to myself, so what's the point of having safety devices if we can, you know, disable them? by something as simple as a cup of coffee and, a, and an iPhone in the wrong place. And the problem becomes, you know, never mind the accident, because that's an accident waiting to happen, all right? Styrofoam cups, these paper cups, they fall out, they spill, you hit a bump, you're going to get burned, you're going to jerk the wheel. I don't think, you know, does it get to the point where we say people can't drink in the car? But, you know, that's going to be civil liberties, and nobody's ever going to listen to that, and, and I'm not saying we do that, but... I'll say it like this. You have to realize the computer you're sitting on top of. It's huge. You know, you look at that center console where they put those cup holders. I don't think any of you realize there's probably a minimum of two computers under a late model console because it's a great place to hide things. It also makes access very easy to get to. So you're putting that cup of coffee with milk and sugar or that Starbucks latte or cafe mocha, whatever the heck it is, frappuccino day, whatever, and you're putting that right over a computer board that if anything spills and makes its way down through, uh, you know, it'll probably cost you a couple of thousand bucks. But more importantly, you have to think about the safety devices. I guess what's on my mind and what the point of this is, you've got to realize you're driving at a minimum a ton and a half to a two-ton missile. And there's there's clearly an issue with the way people are driving. And I think a lot of it has to do with the 
climate of the world, so to speak. We're all a little distracted. We're all a little bit nervous. We're all looking over our shoulder. But we're not driving anymore. We're doing anything but driving. We're, we're paying attention to everything else but what's on the road. And it's only going to get worse. So please, you know, just think about it. And if the person driving that Honda happens to be listening, you know, take it down. You don't need it in front of you. I give a lot of credit to General Motors. All right. I never understood why General Motors came out with the HUD, the heads up display in a lot of their Cadillacs and some of their other cars where they're projecting the speedometer and the gauges and all that information right on the windshield. I always thought, you know, for the longest time, I said, oh, they're, they're trying to emulate fighter jets to make it, you know, high tech and fancier. But in reality, it's, it's a safety thing. All right, because you can see right through that information and you're not blocking your information by having a phone in a blind spot. It's a real bad place to put it. Now, it doesn't matter to me where you put it, but I think any phone attached to the windshield is an obstruction and I don't think it needs to be there. So, uh, like I said, just 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 be mindful of where you're driving and how you're driving. It's it's becoming an issue. Road rage is all around us. All right. You have to be careful Uh, coming back from the chiropractor. This is the other thing that's stuck in my mind today. I feel sorry for the woman in the Subaru Outback was behind the gentleman in the Toyota Highlander. She's blowing the horn. He's doing 20 miles an hour in a 40. And they're they're celebrating the the New Jersey salute to each other. So I you know, it's it's somebody wasn't happy for the way somebody was driving. And, you know, it's just you can see that there's just a lot of tension out on the road. So try to make your road, try to make your drive more tension free. Just think about how you're doing it, because um, even though, as Anthony from Chicago points out, they are making cars better with more safety devices. If we're holding one cup of coffee in one hand and steering wheel with the other and we've got something blocking our vision, all those safety devices, all their value goes right out the window. I'm Ron Anany in the car doctor. I'll be back to take your calls right after this. Don't go away. 855-560-9900. How easy could that be to get your car fixed? Ron will be right back. Welcome back. Ron and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Keep in mind that phone number is 24-7. Leave a message. If we're not on the air, we're here live Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Leave a message, and Tom Ray, our executive producer, will call you back and get you in the live queue for the next broadcast. Let's get over and talk to Connie on line one. Um, some comments. This is a return call. Connie, how are yes, you? Tom. This is um, this is in regards to the Volkswagen. We talked about this a couple of weeks back that had been sitting for a while and it wouldn't start. Yes, we did. And um, uh, fill us in. Go back to the go back to the original call. Describe the original problem you had. It wouldn't start. It had been sitting a while, and you had some uh, comments and thoughts about it. That's right. This car has been giving me trouble for I want to say maybe four years or so, and it ranged from the air conditioner wouldn't work, blew a fuse, the starter went bad. I went through a couple of batteries in that period of time, even though I wasn't even hardly driving it. The fans, there were two radiator fans that were coming on for 10 minutes every time that I would touch the key, and that was wearing out the battery. Uh, There was a horrible air leak in the fuel line, and I can't tell you what was going on with that, but uh, but, 
Oh, my gosh. I think the fuel problem was probably the worst of all of them. And so, and the car kept dying as it was under load going uphill. But then when it would cool off after about 15 minutes of setting, then it would start again and go just fine. Well, I had it to about half dozen mechanics over those years. No one could fix it, including the dealership. Couldn't even tell me where to begin to fix anything. And actually, advice from you was just to sell the car. Um well, I didn't want to sell the car. I love that car. It's a Volkswagen Jetta 2003 TDI. It's a diesel. And so um, I took it to some guys who are uh, just down the street, I mean quite a ways down the street, but asked them if they could fix it, and they did. And it didn't take them any time, and, and it was just a wonderful, wonderful thing that happened. Well, I'll tell you what, stay, stay right where you are. Tom, can we do two for one here? Connie, we're going to have a little uh, couples therapy because we've got Jim from Chief Petroleum. Uh, your mechanic on the, on the line. Jim, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, how are you, Jim? Welcome to the car, Doctor. Uh, I'm, I'm doing fine, and uh, I was listening to Connie uh, talk, and, and she's very gracious about the things that she said. And, yeah, I'll try to give you a little insight on, on what it was, if that's what you'd like. Yeah, we want to know, you know, so what did you find, and how did you get to the root of it? You know, uh, when she come in, she explained that she had been to a number of places and she had some uh, air bubbles in the fuel line, and it, it was the line coming from the uh, gas tank. Looking at it, we kind of uh, determined that it was somewhat normal to see a little bit of an air bubble, but there was an excess of air and things in it. And I wish the other guy was here and he could explain it maybe a little bit better. But, but anyway, it become uh, known it was going to be a lack of fuel. And, uh, and we weren't totally positive on it, but we, we felt that's what it was. So uh, we called up one of the local uh, wrecking yards, and they had a fuel... Uh, pump canister. No, I take I take it back. I don't. I think it was just a canister. I don't think the pump was even in it. Uh, the uh, inserted into the tank anyway is is where it's at. It's that's in the tank itself. It's like a fuel. It's like a. It's like a fuel module, but I don't think the pump is there. You're right. 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 I, I believe that's what it was. Right. Yes. Right. And so anyway. Uh, he, uh, you can take it out by not removing the tank, and you can uh, remove it out the top of the gas tank. Right. And so when we uh, took it out, it was full of a granular-type uh, substance, whether it was sugar, whether it was salt, whether it was something that come from the factory. I really have no idea. It was just interesting because it was packed quite full in there. There's a little... Uh, valve on the on the bottom of that canister and, and it was holding it open so the fuel was draining back into the tank is what we determined. Well, anyway, when we took it out, we uh, bopped it on the ground and, and looked at it. Uh, like all good mechanics do, you know, we, we get uh, curious, I'm sure. You're how does it work? Way. Yeah, how does it work? Sure. Yeah, how yeah. does it work? What's going on? And what is this stuff? And so any, anyway, uh, we put the new one in, and of course, and, and it worked fine. Uh, showed Connie the the things that we took out. Um, we're just a little service station, mom, pop service station type thing from the 40s. And a number of my customers would come in, and I would say, here, look at this. What do you think this is? What's it doing in diesel? And uh, how come it doesn't, you know, just melt or something? Right. So anyway, after that, that's... Uh, 
kind of what happened that it kept us interested. I still find it a very interesting thing. Well, yeah, and sugar. Well, sugar won't dissolve in diesel. And uh, you know, I've got to tell you, when Connie told me it was sugar, I. I I said, yeah, that kind of makes sense. I don't think I've ever seen anybody put sugar in diesel because I thought that was just a, a well-known fact. I can think of a couple of things to put in diesel to hurt the car, and I'm not going to talk about it here because I don't want to give anybody any ideas. But, sure. uh, y- you know, it's it's just sad. So, Connie, can I talk to Connie too, Tom? Yes, right. I'm Co- right here. Connie, you're there? Um, uh-huh. So so who doesn't like you? Um, that's the next question. Well, it was a tenant that I evicted, actually. I know who it was, and I know, and that's exactly the time frame. When the eviction happened was when my car started having trouble, and that's not the only damage that he did to my car. But he, he forgot that it's a diesel because he is a mechanic himself, the guy who did this. <laughs> I guess he's and not. And he forgot that's a diesel, and it would have no effect. So the way I found out was I tasted it. I actually put a few of those, those gran, uh, granules uh, into my mouth, and sure enough, it was sugar covered with diesel. You're, you're, you're a brave soul, Connie, but don't do that. I'm sure we can get somebody to do an analysis of it, but that's, that's, that's a great story. I'm glad it all worked out in the end. So, so, Jim, what kind of shape is the rest of the car in? Good to go you for know, a while? No, yeah, it's going to run for a while, and, and Connie takes uh, pretty good care of her rig, so uh, I, I think she'll be happy with it. It's, uh, I was impressed with it because I like the little Volkswagen diesels. Yeah. I run a Rabbit before. Yeah, they run a good run time. Yep. Yeah, yeah, well, and when you get 50-plus miles a gallon, it really impresses the heck out of me. Oh. Let me ask you, Jim, uh, 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 this repair aside, how long have you been fixing cars? Oh, let's see. How old am I? It took, uh, <laughs> I know <laughs> where this is going. My dad had a shop when I was a kid growing up, so that kept us interested. Right. We went. I say we because my brother and I did a lot of things together. We took uh, uh, automotive at SCC uh, Community College in Spokane, and uh, well, it was Expo '74 because. Uh, we graduated in 74, went down and worked in the pea harvest in uh, Lewiston, Idaho, and then we've run a shop ever since. Yeah. How much? And, the, and the guy that was working with me, he's almost got the same story. He started out in the service, did some airplane mechanics, and then turned into a wrench-turning fool. So, and neither one of us were smart enough to quit. So, And we enjoy doing it. Yeah, it isn't work. Right. It's, it's so, more enjoyment. So you got to know the next question. Where do you think it's going? Oh, God. I I don't even get into that. I uh, I really... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Now, I, me, I, I'd hate to even venture a guess. I, I, is the combustion engine going to be phased out? Nah. Too many dollars. But it sure has changed, hasn't the industry changed in the last, never mind, 30 years, the last five years? Right? I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't catch. I was, I was going to say, but but it sure has changed in the last, I won't say 30 years, but even the last oh, five yeah, years, yeah. The, the technology is just... Yeah, I went to, uh, just a little of my history, I uh, moved out to the farm, oh, God, 30-some-odd years ago and worked for uh, Kaiser Loom as a mechanic, and so I quit the automotive industry in there in the 90s uh, when they were just coming out with some of it, so it left me behind the eight ball even then, and I've tried to pick up over the years now some of it, but uh, yeah, I can only imagine somebody trying to figure out some of the, th- I, I mean, I hear it on a daily basis, you know, well, it's not my 1956 Chevy anymore. Right. So, <laughs> so, so yeah, it, it's tough. It's 
uh, you know, if you can find a good, honest mechanic, uh, stay with them. Let me let me ask you this, Jim. Um, you're a small shop, small town USA, right? No, no, no offense intended. No, um, but it no, sounds like you're, in a, you know. Um, how do you keep up with the cost of tooling and? You know, I, I can buy that. I've got to buy that $10,000 scan tool. You've got to buy that $10,000 scan tool. Um, yeah. I uh, I, was fr- <laughs> I was friends with a Mac dealer for many years, and uh, he needed fuel, and I have fuel. I needed tools, and he's got tools. So, And we did a lot of different trading and different things, and I'm one of those guys that I like that uh, nice new tool. Uh, we don't, of course, we're just a little shop, so we don't have it all. Right. But uh, we have quite a few tools, and I don't mind spending money on a good quality tool. Right. Snap-on, Mac. So, so real uh, real quick before I let you go, and, and I appreciate yeah. you giving us the time. I know it's a busy Saturday there, I'm sure. Uh, you know, what's the average age of the cars you're working on? Do you, are you seeing, you know, is it is, are they 20 years old, 10 years old, 5 years old? We're, prob- we're probably in the mid-2000s. So I mean by that I mean probably up in '06, and then, and then see we do farm equipment also. We're rural. We do farm equipment. Um, so uh, yeah, of course you always get. I just had a lady stop by the other day. She had a Cadillac and the water pump out. You know went out on it. Right. Um, and it was I think a eight or nine or something like that. So right. it's that type of things that we see out here. People commuting back and forth to town. So you don't you don't see that twelve, the fourteen, the fifteen is not rolling in the door yet, and uh, on a regular basis. No, no, not with us. We're uh, uh, no like the one I have right now. We're putting an intake gasket on in the, on the famous three fifty Chevy, where it leaked the water on the intake, right. and it's a ninety eight that I've got in the shop right now. I'm fixing. Right, right. Uh, right. Going to yeah. do some tires because we do it all here. Yeah. So. Hey. Hey Jim, listen, man. I'm 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 really glad you were able to help Connie and Connie. I'm glad you found Jim. Uh, you've got a good one here, kiddo. Hang on to him. And, I uh, will. Thank you. Um, don't don't let him downplay himself. He's way too modest. Um, but uh, he's a good guy. I can tell just by talking to him. Uh, we're Jim and I are at the same age group, and uh, we've chewed on the same grease for many many years now. Um, I can tell we're from the same generation. So um, thanks to both of you for taking the time and uh, educating everybody yet, Tony. So that means you and Jim are old. Yeah, us, Jim yeah. and I are old. There, so. there's, no, there's no question about that. No. Okay. I don't even mind. I'm still yeah. good looking. Right. Yeah, well, there you go. So at least <laughs> at least one of us is. I got the face made for radio. Um, yeah, but right. in any event, Jim, we may call you back and talk again in the future, brother. We, uh, we enjoyed this conversation very, very much. Uh, all right. And we hope if, you'll if allow I, us if, that. If, if I uh, if I get an odd one in, uh, maybe we'll give you a call. Absolutely, and, uh, explain it. Explain Absolutely, it and and tell you what we did on it. You know what? Make this your form. If you've got anything you want to comment about changes in the industry you see going forward, we're glad to give you some airtime, brother. It's uh, it's all, all right. about educating everybody. Thank you. Right? Well, I appreciate what you do for people. It, it's I Connie actually was just turning me on to what it was and what you're all about and and that's the type of thing that i really enjoy it irritates the heck out of me when i hear about some mechanic that has taken advantage of somebody right right anyway i appreciate it it. all right jim thank you thank you connie both of you and we appreciate it i'm running in the car doctor we're coming back right after this well this car is automatic it's systematic it's hydromatic Why, it's greased lightning! Greased lightning! 
Welcome back. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor. Um, a couple of, just a quick comment. Um, Facebook. If you use Facebook and you get out to my Facebook page, Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor, uh, we post videos. I post videos out there from time to time. Things in the shop. This week, the industry, well, not all of the industry, but some of the industry stated their intelligence level because their reaction to new technology shows me why you as a consumer and a vehicle owner are having problems finding somebody to fix your car. I talked about K-Seal. Remember I talked about K-Seal? It's a product I stumbled across. And as a matter of fact, I've, uh, we're talking to K-Seal, and you may see them here as an advertiser in the coming weeks because I believe in the product. It works. It's as simple as that. So don't be surprised when you, when you, when you start hearing some, uh, some advertising here. And, and that's a good thing. It's a good product. It's something that you can wrap your mechanical legs around and, and, and use to repair your vehicle. So anyway, I, I had an 06 Pontiac G6 came into the shop this week that had some cooling system seepage. It was around the intake manifold, not around the intake, I'm sorry, around the timing cover gasket, and one corner of the head gasket, an external leak where it was just dribbling a couple of drops. Older car, 100,000 miles. It's, it's 11, 12 years old. A, a younger a younger person's driving it. She's, she's just out of college. She's working her way through uh, grad school. What are we going to do? We're going to put three grand into a 12-year-old 100,000-mile car? So we poured some K-Seal into it. Now, some of the geniuses out on Facebook are yelling at me because they're saying I'm pouring the sealer into the overflow tank. But they're too stupid to realize that that's not the overflow tank. That's actually the extension of the radiator. That was the expansion tank, and that goes directly into the cooling system. But, again, the mechanics that are out there, some of them are just so dopey, they don't realize what they're looking at. They they jump on it. So if you get a chance, get out to Facebook, look at the K-Seal video, and um, share your comments, share your thoughts. I'd be curious to hear what you think. But uh, always a good source of information. I just wanted to comment for those guys out there that are listening. Hey, you guys are all wrong. And uh, open your minds to new technology. I'm Ron Annie the Car Doctor. I'm coming back right after this. Don't go away. Hey, Ron Annie the Car Doctor rolling along. Um, I guess we didn't do it this hour. Maybe we'll do it next hour. Maybe we'll put it off till next week. I got I can't make up my mind, but the folks over at Diablo Sport have given us a Predator 2 to give away, and we're looking forward to doing it. We're trying to do it so that uh, maybe somebody can either use it or, you know, stick it in Dad's uh, Christmas bird, you know, holiday gift bag and uh, get it that way. But the Predator 2, what it does is it gives you the ability to tune, adjust options on the vehicle like tire size, gear shifting. It lets you tune and modify the vehicle for better performance. You can find more information at uh, DiabloSport.com. Real quick, I got a question this week on Facebook, as a matter of fact, and I, I love the Facebook questions. Keep them coming. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor out on Facebook. About antifreeze, someone had asked me, they said, you know, their, their older GM car calls for decks cool, but it's very expensive. Is it okay to mix? and just use something else, what would happen? And my the, the, the analogy I gave was that you have to think of antifreeze, coolant, like blood types. You can't mix blood types. It's bad for the body. It's bad for the car to mix coolants. Now, it's not going to cause the car to die, but it does limit the ability of whatever coolant's left in the system to do its job as the manufacturer wanted, and it can, in the long run, hurt other vehicle cooling system components. So keep the correct coolant in your car as it's designed. Till the next time, I'm Ron Annie and the Car Doctor. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.